Hello, welcome to Off Curve, I'm Wicked Good, and I am talking to you about Hearthstone as I am driving around doing errands. It is Wednesday, April 7th, 2021. We're about a week into Fortune the Barons. And um, this would normally be the time when Ridiculous Hat and I would be going through all the decks in the meta, but it uh, turns out there are only two decks in the meta. And <laughs> so it would be a very short show. And we have already gotten confirmation from Alec Dawson that we are going to be getting um, a balance change early next week. So we just, Hat and I decided better to push that off for a week or so, let the meta kind of develop after these balance changes and then see what we have. And that'll be a little bit more of an interesting discussion, I think. Um, I've been playing uh, pretty much a bunch of stuff. I've, I've been... I played some Corrupt Priest on stream on Monday, which went okay. I've been experimenting with a bunch of different Priest archetypes. Um, there's a player named Jilinong. I, I, um, I, I'm probably butchering that name. I, I'm, I'm very bad with the, um, you know, with, with pronunciation of, of, of Chinese names, and I need to get better at it. But he, um, they, I guess I should say, because I don't know if it's he or she. They um, have been putting together a number of different control priest lists, including one that they're calling Wife Priest, which is running Mancrick, which I was playing on ladder last night and feels pretty good. Um, so I'll put some links to that. And, and they they actually have a... Um, they've been playing it on Twitch and streaming at High Legend. So that might be worth looking at if you're interested in uh, learning how to play the deck. Um, but yeah, I, I want to... So in lieu of, of talking about like what the meta is... I think it's worth talking about what the meta isn't, which is what we wanted it to be, and kind of how we got here, and what this means for um, our expectations for future metas. Because I think that if we can recalibrate, you know, our, our expectations, maybe we can try to approach these metas in a little bit more of a positive way. And because, you know, it, it's, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't disappointed by this meta, but I also know that things are going to improve as soon as they nerf things. And it feels like the, the first couple of days felt like they were, everyone was annoyed by something, but it was, it was something different. And now everyone's annoyed by the same two decks. Um, so let's talk about how we got here and what this means going forward. So... Obviously, we had a huge change, right? Like we, we and we. This is something we've been talking about for like two months, with the rotation of the majority of classic and the introduction of of the new cards and the returning cards and core, and all, along with the new expansion and a rotation. Like this is the most different meta that we were going to get for a long time. And and I mean, the decks are mostly different, but I guess they're they're also kind of the same. I guess if you're looking at Liberum Paladin, it's it's the same shell with a different, uh, you know, uh, some different supporting cards. But, like, what... There's, there's a, kind of a few things going on, and I've been having some discussions on Twitter about, like, what... You know, what... Is this because of a change in design philosophy? Is this because of you know, uh, more willingness to nerf, and, 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 and I think it's worth remembering, and this was the conversation I was having with Peltire and Hat last night on Twitter, is, like, we've had disastrous launch metas for a long time, 
it's and people are going to blame it on HS Replay or Vicious Syndicate every time that this comes up, but like I remember like playing the Grand Tournament and Mysterious Challenger was found. It wasn't like day 1, but it was found pretty quickly. And that and very soon that was all you saw. Right? And like in in Knights of the Frozen Throne, Druid was a terror within a week. Like I found a a copy of like the uh, a vicious syndicate like pre meta report where it was just like the this is not a meta report but these are the decks that are prevalent and like line, at the top of the list was the meta tyrant Jade Druid and and Druid was nerfed a couple of weeks later. So I I think that it's it's easy to kind of look at look at this and get nostalgic for the good old days but I would I just want to caution you that the good old days had their problems too and the difference is that you know when we had a bad meta in you know in 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 the bed broad era I, i'm just gonna say it um it would take them a really long time to nerf anything and then to, to to intervene because and and they've said at the time that their philosophy was that they wanted to let the meta try to solve itself which is fair right like you don't and I will say this until I'm blue in the face you don't want to nerf every single card that is that is powerful right because if we nerf every card that's powerful then all we're doing is banging spider tanks and chill yetis into each other and nobody's going to enjoy that there need to be powerful decks that do powerful things and constructed is about finding broken interactions and exploiting them that is what constructed is if you fix, if you nerf one thing that's powerful, something will come up to take its place, and it might be worse, right? So, I I wanna I don't want to say that like we should be nerfing everything that's powerful. When when one or two decks become all that's viable in the format because they vastly outclass everything else that's available, that's when you need to, that's when it, it needs to be a, a situation where you have to step in. And, and that seems to be where we are right now. I mean, if you look at the Grandmasters decks that just got submitted today, um, they are almost all of them, aside from like Fled, who was like a conscientious objector, um, all of them are like Mage, Paladin, Rogue, and then as Saddle would say, I, you know, a Mage, Paladin, Rogue, and a bad deck. <laughs> right? So, um, you know, that fourth deck kind of varies, but that's clearly the fourth deck. Um... So there are things that need to change just to kind of get the diversity down to where they want it to be. Um, we could argue about whether that's a good or a bad thing, um, and, and I'm going to, uh, but that, that's kind of where we are. But I think it's there, there's a, there are a few things that are going on here that we kind of do need to recognize, and, and I've been trying to make sense of, like, how did we get here, right? Because, like, it, it feels like a promise unfulfilled we got all these changes coming in. We had all these sins of the classic set being wiped away, and yet here we are, right? It's another, it's another broken deck, and these are two broken decks that effectively existed prior to Fortune of the Barons. They weren't new archetypes that came in. So, like, how did we get here? So, one thing to keep in mind is that we still have the bulk of the cards in the format were designed prior to the concept of a core set, right? I would expect that as the, as the team is designing cards going forward, they're going to be doing that um, around the core set 
and around the concept of a corset, but the, these cards that were designed were designed with the expectation that like Frostbolt was never going away. Or just for an example, I'm just, I'm just picking a card, right? And now it is, now it's gone, right? And all this other stuff is there, but that also means that they were designing random effects with the court with the classic set in place and it turns out that due to either the design of the classic set or or subsequent nerfs that have been depowering it over the course of several years the classic set had a fair number of stinkers that were actually making all of the random pools fair right like you 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 notice that there are a lot fewer of the um, in in Forge with the Forge from the Barons, there are a lot fewer of the cards that say something along the lines of um, summon a summon a card, a random X or a card with a, a random card of cost X. That's very much a Year of the Phoenix type of of mechanic that, and we're seeing a lot of that in Mage right now. And and the big problem with Mage is that we had a bunch of cards <clears throat> that were bad that were removed from core. And so what we have left in the pool, right, is a lot of good stuff and a, and a smaller number of, of cards because we just rotated out all the cards from Year of the Dragon, right? So, like... Let, let's take, like, the, the pools... I mean, everyone knows about the, the 10 drops spells that are in... Um, that are available to Mage now in, in, in after Deck of Lunacy, right? It's just Survival of the Fittest and um, and the Grand Slam. That's it, right? But, like, we used to have things like Mind Control or Pyro... I mean, Pyroblast would have been okay, right? But, you know, we, we had more spells at at 10 mana or that that one that summoned three five six taunts that um overloaded you for three in shaman right there were just more spells there was more variance so what should be random is actually a lot less random because a there are fewer cards and b the, the average quality of those cards is more consistent so like if you look at the at the six cost cards in particular um, you have, I believe it's seven spells and four of them draw you three or more cards. So you're very, you're over 50% every time that you draw a, draw a six cost spell, which was generated from a three cost spell. And you have a ton of three cost spells in, in the deck to begin with that you're very likely to get something that's going to draw you more, more broken cards, right? That are all high quality because the pool is a lot smaller. Like, we didn't realize that, like... I'm, tr I'm trying to think of, like, a six-cost spell. But, you know, like, we had, like, a load-bearing... <laughs> um, oh, gosh, what is a six-cost spell? Like, you know, like... I mean, like, Initiation's kind of a load-bearing spell right now. Initiation's still around, right? But, like, all of those bad six-cost spells that were there were diluting the pool which is why deck of lunacy was it's so much better now than than it was then like we just have like some of these 
terrible cards are gone. Um, and it's the same thing for, for minions too. Like a Pexus Blast and, and Jandis are summoning five drops. And all of the five drops, like there are very few low rolls in terms of five drops. But there aren't really any bad rolls there either. Just because like a lot of the jank got pulled out when we did the core the core changes and like they're not they're trying they're designing fewer bad cards in general like they're trying to design cards that are narrow but are useful and those don't really translate well to to random um to random generation like like deck of chaos is like the low roll in the six cost spot right just because you have no minions in your deck uh but that's not really that bad I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's bad for for deck of lunacy, but it, I mean, it's not a bad card. It's it's a narrow card. But there aren't enough cards like that, right? So, that's that's kind of where we're left here, where we have these gigantic pool, these these pools that were gigantic, that are no longer gigantic, that are just generally better. And then deck of lunacy was was designed around those pools being big, with a bunch of crap. So that discounting by three would still be kind of like rolling the dice. And now you're not really rolling the dice anymore. I mean, you are, but the dice are loaded. So that's something that, and I know that the designers tried to work around that, but, uh, you know, sometimes these kinds of things will slip through and, you know, but you have, you know, a, a handful of final design testers against a community of several million players who are just all trying to break things. And as soon as they find something that's broken, then it just proliferates, right? So it's like, you're, it, it, it's, you're like the police. And they're like the police and they, and there's a, there's an old saying where like, the police only have to be right. The police have to be right 100% of the time. The criminal only needs to be right once, right? <laughs> so that's kind of where we are. So it's kind of, I, I do take a little bit of, of umbrage at, at folks who are like, you know, screaming, like, how could you not catch us in testing? Because it's like, there are, and I mean, there are bugs in this in this client release too, which we won't even get into. Um, you can go listen to CoinConce if you want a rundown of those, because they've talked about that in fairly, fairly strong detail as well. But like, you know, some of these interactions, like there's so many interactions that just, you know, maybe one person just didn't think of it, right? Like there are things that slip through the cracks all the time. And you can't necessarily catch everything. Um, so, and, and nor, nor, I mean, and I guess the question is, should you, right? And that's kind of where I want to go to next. So, it is worth discussing, though, like, why it, it seems like we're having more of these, these kind of drastic release metas, right? And, and... I don't, while I don't think that there's necessarily, like, the metas that we have are necessarily considerably worse than the metas that we've had in the past, um, it, it has been the case, and I mean, you can go back to, like, the day one Demon Hunter meta that, and, and you know, to a lesser extent, you know, the the Descent of Dragons, Galakron Shaman, and, and, and a number of the other, like, first week metas that have been kind of... Um, you know, just, just unpleasant. There's clearly a higher willingness on the part of the dev team to nerf quickly. And 
with that is going to come a little bit more tolerance for risk, right? Because if you think about it, right, if, if we're gonna, if the old, the old ways, right, were, well, we're not getting a balance change for months because the original um, philosophy of the dev team was these, this is a collectible card game. The cards in your collection shouldn't change. And, you know, if, if something gets significantly out of whack, then they'll change it. But they, they clearly had a resistance to changing cards, you know, after they've been released. Like, they nerfed a bunch in beta, and then once the game was released, like, those were the cards, right? And and then, pretty much after Ben Brode left, it, 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 it took about, like, a year after Ben Brode left. Because, like, three months after Ben Brode left was the, in, was the infamous In the Works um, blog post where when Giggling Inventor was really, really unfun to play against and was like that for months. And they basically said, we're keeping an eye on it, but we don't think it's a problem. <clears throat> and, and from there, we've seen a, a shift, right? Because that was clearly a low point. Ro that was right before Rastakhan. And then in, in Rastakhan, the Rastakhan meta, we saw a bunch of nerfs to Classic. And then eventually we kind of got out of that we, we got out of that whole year and then started seeing more frequent nerfs and nerfs to more cards and, and nerfs to cards that seemed like they were untouchable, right? And then that kind of led into the core, the core set changes that we just got. So there is more of a willingness to make frequent balance changes as the meta, as the meta, you know, prescribes it. So with that, you're going to get more of, uh, you know, there, there's just going to be a natural tendency to like, if something is released and it's like the, and it's close, like they might release it overpowered rather than underpowered because it's a lot easier to nerf a card than it is to buff a card, right? Like a buff may not actually make any difference, but a nerf is something that is is a little bit easier to do and have it's 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 harder to make a card not see play than it is to make a card see play, right? Like it took successive buffs to the Librams to get them to a playable state, to get Paladin into a playable state. Now it's probably a little bit over two, and they might be able to back some of that down, but they they had to they had to buff Librams twice just to get Paladin to be like a viable class in the meta. So, and, and the other thing to keep in mind is that we're getting um, 100 and, 170 cards per expansion with 135 plus the mini set. Plus we got the, ch the core changes. Plus they have other modes that they're designing for. They're, and they're, it's, not a, it's not an infinitely sized team, right? Like a lot of people make the whole joke about, you know, small indie development company. But there aren't that many designers working on the game. And they're having to design more things and test more things. So if you're willing to nerf, then you kind of take on a little bit more of that risk and, and kind of assess if a card is going to, you know, it can be changed once you get, once you go live, right? And, and that's fine, right? Like, I think we, we've all said we want that. We want the, we want the dev team to step in when the game is is uh, is misbalanced and is just not 
as much fun to play. We want the game to be fun. What that means is I think this may be the new normal going forward, right? There's a there's a concept of, of fail fast in development. I'm not a game developer, but I am a developer. I'm a development manager now, actually. But, um, you know, it, it's... There, there's this concept of fail fast, which means that you're more willing to take risks as long as you you have a, a contingency plan to back to to correct things if they go wrong, right? So you take smaller but more frequent risks, and so I think that that concept of fail fast can be applicable to the to the way that the meta shakes out, right? It's it's there's so many interactions there's always going to be something that somebody misses and rather than test forever right because you could you could structure things in a way such that you you tested the bejesus out of everything and you never let uh, uh you know some something slip through right first of all that's kind of an impossible task but let's just say that that you know with enough time you could test everything but that would that would probably require like a significant delay in when the sets come out. Like they're releasing set, a set every four months and then a mini set every other month. You know, every month and every two months in between that, right? If if they do that, if they take that time to test, like they may be pushing back times. They may not be able to hit those dates, and so they're testing to catch the big things, right? Like we're seeing deck of lunacy. There are probably, and I'm sure that they, and they talk about these things sometimes in, in developer interviews where they talk about like how like bananas some of the initial designs were and how they had to, how they had to, to tone them down. And like, they're catching the big things. Like there are some of these things that are slipping through, but I can guarantee you this is not, you know, this is not nearly the number of things that they caught and fixed in testing before they got to us. Right. So that all being the case, um, you know, that this is kind of the trade-off of getting more cards and getting uh, sets on a, on a predictable schedule is we're going to have some of these launch week metas where the, some of the bugs have to be shaken out, right? What that makes us is early adopters, right? I'm not saying that we're paying to be beta testers. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But I think it's getting to the point where you kind of need to look at the the initial release meta as early access, right? Like you pay for early access and you're kind of accepting that some things may be unfinished, there may be some bugs, there may be some things that aren't quite as fun as they will be in the final release, but you know, you're getting to play the game early and you're kind of taking that on. And I think that that expectation of, of the, the launch day meta being early access may be the way that we need to think about these things going forward because they're not going to catch everything. They're humans. The dev team, I, I'm sure, is working as hard as they possibly can and they're catching as many things as they can that would be kind of create disastrous metas, but things slip through. Right, and they're not going to be able to build every deck that every player on at 1 p.m. Eastern on you know March 30th is immediately trying to break. Like as much as we complain about these broken decks, if you were the one who made, who made the broken deck, you'd be pretty happy with yourself, right? 
Everybody's trying to find the next metaphor here. Some things have counters, some things don't. As long as there's diversity in the meta, it's fine, right? It's when it's one or two decks that just overtake everything that it's a problem. So if we're... I, I, I just don't see this changing, right? Which is not a, an indictment of the dev team. It's, a, it's, a, it's an acknowledgement of reality of what it is like to constantly churn out content on a schedule an increasing number of content with the same with roughly the same number of resources right like we another saying we have in development is nine women can't have a baby in a month right you can throw a lot more people at it but you're you may not you may just not catch all these things because they're not all catchable by just people testing right you have to have different people playing games and just seeing these things come up right like like things like the the change to the grave rune and spark joy cheat like you would have had to have somebody playing a deck and and trying those things and it may just not occur to them to try it right or it just may not come up in the number of games that they have to test because you have to play game after game after game to to test these things there's only so many scenarios that'll come up in testing right but if you find if you stumble upon one of these in a game and then you and then you you post on it on Twitter, suddenly everybody knows about it, right? But it takes one person to stumble upon those. There's a lot more people in playing the game once it's released than there are testing. It's just numbers, right? So I, I guess, you know, this is one of those things where it kind of helps to adjust your mindset, right? Where the mindset that I'm going to have going into these metas is it's, it's early access until the first meta, until the first balance change. It goes even further to say, don't craft anything until the first balance change. I used to say, until the first Vicious Syndicate meta report. Now I think it's still the first balance change. Because we're usually getting one two or three weeks in. And that's about time that we've kind of figured out what's good and what's not. Um, and, and again, if you're going in with, with the expectation, this is early access. And that there could be bugs and there could be things that will get fixed. Or will get added. Or will get corrected. It's a lot easier to kind of take it in stride, right? Like, and if it's not fun, you could just, I, I, I hate saying it like this, right? Because it sounds really dismissive, but it's okay to play something else, right? Like it could, it's, it's I, I think a reasonable reaction to this meta, if you do not want to climb against Secret Mage and, and or not Secret Mage, against uh, No Minion Mage and Secret Paladin is to wait for early next week, right? Like, and just kind of scale back your, your investment in the game and then play the actual release when the meta change comes out. I think that's reasonable. I've been definitely backing off a little bit and playing more Diablo this week. I wasn't expecting to be playing a lot of Diablo, but the new season came out on uh, new season came out on Friday and I've been playing a fair amount of Diablo and, and, I'm, and it's fine, right? Um, I still love Hearthstone. I'm still playing Hearthstone, but I'm not, like if I'm not having fun, I don't, I don't need to bang my head against the wall. I can climb after the balance changes, right? So... I think that can kind of help to make some sense out of the situation, and and it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't really do any good to you know throw shade at the developers or, or try to figure out like what's changing. I think it's just like it's it's a, just a natural consequence, and it's also kind of a reality of the amount of content they're pushing out and the the strict timelines that they're on, and the fact that we are playing a digital card game, and digital card games can change and if we build around that rather than, you know, invoking that only when it's absolutely necessary, then 
we will have a more fun game at the end of it. I'm pretty confident that this this meta, if they get these these first set of nerfs right, that we're gonna have a pretty fun meta based on what I'm seeing. And even if not, then they'll nerf it again, and and it'll be fine. So that's kind of my advice to you. And then just kind of wait till next week, and then we'll see what things look like. So um, that's it for this week. Um, I will very likely be back early next week um, as the meta as the the balance changes get announced. Um, I'll probably have a, an emergency episode, um, detailing all of those and I'll give you my thoughts on that. And then you can look forward to a, um, an extended length episode with me and ridiculous hat going through the meadow. Once we know what the meta actually is, once we're out of early access. So, um, thanks as always for listening. Uh, you can find the links, uh, in this, uh, for this episode and every episode at offcurve.com. If you are a, uh, master store qualifier player, I have statistics on, um, on the qualifier metas at, um, at master's at offcurve.com slash masterstore. Um, you can follow at offcurve on Twitter for announcements when the new show, when the new episodes go live. You can follow me on Twitter at wickedgood um, for that and whatever else happens to be going through my head at the moment. And um, you can you can uh, watch me on Twitch. I usually stream Monday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern and Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern, twitch.tv slash wickedgoodfm. And um, you can join the Discord and discuss these things with a lovely group of people we're always kind and wonderful and um, intelligent and uh, welcoming at discord.offcurve.com. And, um, you know, enjoy the meta such as it is and um, look forward to the to the new meta once we get that next week. And uh, be good to each other. We'll talk soon. Have a good one. <laughs>